you haven't shot all of last month. How did last month end in revenue? Uh, almost 20,000. So I was right at $19,000. Today is a very special interview. I've been wanting to do this for a very long time. I'm here with Stephanie Watts, who is out of Iowa. She's extremely talented. I'm going to be sharing with you her website and she's here with me now. How are you, Stephanie? Good. How are you? It's May 8th and things are starting to reopen. We were talking a little bit before this and you were telling me you are in one of the only counties that's not open yet. Yep. But it's okay, right? Because from what I know so far that you've been booking during this entire time. I've been booking and I had um, a handful of ordering sessions I was able to do virtually. And oh, wow. um, yeah, I really have taken this time to revamp some things I've needed to but because I'm I'm so booked that I didn't have much time and kind of redoing the studio a little bit coming up with some new ideas so I've I've taken the time and my team has taken the time to really hustle yeah and if you don't mind sharing uh, I, and that's actually why I like it prompted me to reach out to you again you haven't shot all of last month how did last month end in revenue uh almost 20,000 so I was right at $19,000 that is amazing. And by the way, compared to two years ago or a year and a half ago, is that about as high? I mean, this middle of the pandemic, you made the same or more? Oh, more. Yeah, that is amazing. And we're, we're going to get into that. But before we even do, like, I'd love to find out more about you and kind of share with the audience, like, you know, who exactly you are and how you actually got to this place where like a bad pandemic month was 20 grand. And of course, your bigger months, you, you know, your open months are much bigger. Uh, so what did you do before this? Um, so I, I'll start kind of in high school. I graduated high school early and joined the Air Force. And I was in the Air Force for a few years and I had my daughter. I got out of the military. I was a stay-at-home mom. I dabbled in a few things that not, not a lot of people know. I, um, I kind of was pushed into selling Mary Kay when I was 21. I have sold Pampered Chef. <laughs> I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur, but I never really found the right place for me. Um, I was a sales consultant at a weight loss center in Arizona when I lived there. And then I moved to Japan as part of the Air Force and lived there for four years. And I fell in love with photography because I became a master diver there. And I had a camera in my hand every time I went under the water. So uh, I came back to Iowa in 2011 with my daughter, and about six months later, I bought my first camera. It was not a pro camera, but I bought my first camera, and I, was, I told myself I was going to own a photography business. And that's, so, that's so cool. And like uh, <laughs> diving, is that something you did as like a hobby? Is that part of the military? Like, how'd you get into that? Just a hobby. I needed something to do. Stay-at-home mom. It was really difficult to find work. Um, as, as a um, dependent and um, I was out of the military at the time and um, not in a great relationship so I needed something of my own and it changed my life. Yeah it's hard having a relationship in the military. I, uh, I know a lot of people probably know but I did 10 years in the military as well and I got divorced while I was in um, and I found that yeah when when the spouse or when the couple don't have like their own hobbies or they don't have like their own things going on it makes the relationship like really dependent on each other um yeah you're making a face <laughs> yeah so how, how long ago was that how long ago did you get out um i got out 
well, my daughter, I got out, uh, my separation date was the day before I was due with my daughter. Oh, wow. And so it was almost 17 years ago, or no, 17 years ago. Wait, so how did that, by the way, this is just me being curious, like, how did that work? Like, did you still give birth at like a naval, you know, at the Air Force Hospital? No, no, no. They didn't have, in Arizona, they didn't have um, a hospital for emergencies and stuff like that. So I just, I had my daughter at Tucson Medical Center. So it's just off base. Yeah, so that transition, pretty big. Uh, I know I went through that and it was probably the biggest thing. It was almost like jumping off a cliff and thinking you have a little bit of a parachute. So tell me about that. Like you got out. You know, you're picking up diving photography and like, what did you get out to do? Um, I got out to be a stay-at-home mom. Okay. We, so um, my ex-husband got orders to Turkey and he wasn't able to uh, take us unless I got out. And then I got out and he was able to turn down those orders. Oh, wow. So you guys didn't go to Turkey, you just stayed in Arizona? Yeah. So I was stuck at home. And uh, about when Haley was about a year and a half, I, I am not a stay-at-home mom with a young child. It, I got out of the military and in the same week had a, my first daughter and I was 20 years old. And it was traumatic, if that's the word. Now, I'm, I love being a mom, but I was in an awful relationship and I was thousands of miles away from my family. And it was probably one of the hardest things I ever had to do. And by um, the way, I, your daughter's and she's a senior. She graduated, right? She well, no, they're still in school technically till the end of May, but she took a pass on all her high school classes, and she has to finish her college class, um, which is super easy online, and then she'll be done. But then she heads to Drake University in August. That's so cool. By the way, did you guys ever come down to Miami to visit? You did, right? No, no, oh, we visit flew through Miami. Miami trying to get to and from Roatan. Oh, I meant for the University of Miami. I thought she was looking at No, she considered it, but I just tried to, you've never been to Miami. Let's just be realistic. Yeah. Okay, so tell me, so you're having your daughter, your daughter's beautiful now and she's graduating. So congratulations, going to Drake. Um, And how did like, how did the business of photography uh, happen? And where did you start with that? It wasn't boudoir, was it? No, no. Uh, I wanted to be a newborn photographer. (laughs) And I bought all the newborn things. I bought the newborn posing pillows and the props and the backdrops and the heaters and all of that. And I photographed about three and I was like, this isn't going to happen. I was kind of stagnant for a while. I started picking up uh, second shooting gigs for weddings and then I thought oh working with adults who can listen to you and understand what you're saying that's a game changer so I became a wedding photographer and I was a full-time wedding photographer actually I had a full-time job until 2015 mm-hmm. and because I was too afraid of going out on my own and being able to make it and pay my bills and I did not turn a profit until last year as a photographer wow. So 2015, uh, and then what prompted you to leave and what genre? So you were shooting weddings at the time? Mm-hmm. Yep. I was miserable. I would come home crying from this job. I said, I will, I, and I vowed to never work for anyone else again. Okay. So tell me about that because a lot of people think like, Hey, if you leave a job, it means that you, you know, we're making a lot of money for photography. So 2015, if you're doing weddings, no. you know, how was that? 
I, um, I don't remember how many weddings I photographed in 2015. I just knew that if I was coming home and this miserable at a full-time job and it paid me well, I mean, it paid me, I mean, 30, $40,000, which is great in my area. Mm -hmm. Um, but if I was that miserable, then I had to work for myself. I had to be miserable working for myself versus miserable working for someone else. Um, I actually what was my goal at the time was to go back to school full time and I still had the GI bill. And so I went, I started at the university of Iowa in the fall of 2015 and about a month and a half later, my now husband uh, got super sick and almost passed away and was in the hospital. Oh, and wow. I slept with him for like 10 weeks in the hospital in the uncomfortable recliner chair or in the day bed that was in the ICU, like crazy, crazy stuff. And then I was able to uh, get all but like five or 10% of my tuition back from the university because I couldn't leave his side. Yeah, wow. And that was actually, once I started going to the University of Iowa for business, I thought, why am I here? I just, it didn't feel right. Again, I, I had my two year degree, so I have an associate's degree and in, not in photography. Um, and I would just question myself every single day. Why am I doing this? Because just because the military is paying me to go to school every month, like this is just crazy. And so that I feel like was also a huge quitting my job and dropping out, dropping out of college for a reason. But, um, I feel like those were the signs that I just needed to go full force ahead. Yeah. I've, I've had that roadblock of like going to get an MBA. Um, I have a, I have a really good friend who was my roommate and I lived with him for like maybe four or five years. We're both in special operations and we both got out almost at the exact same time. And he went like full out. He was going to Northeastern, an amazing school, studying electrical engineering. And when we talk now, his entire goal when he left was basically like make as much money as possible. And he added in his head, like, you have to be a professional. You have to be a lawyer, you have to be an engineer, you have to be a doctor. And when I got out, he was like, you're not going to go to school? Like, what are you going to do? I was like, I'm going to try this photography thing. And we talked about a year ago. So we've both been out for almost three to four years. Maybe he's been out for like three and a half. I've been out for four. And he told me, he, he said, you know, the thing that's crazy is I know that I'm not taking any risk and it's making me really relaxed. I get this BAH, I get paid to go to school. I don't have to have another job. And it's just very complacent. He's like, and you over there, like you left, no one thought you were going to make it. Everyone just questioned, like, how are you going to make money? Everyone thought you were stupid for leaving. And now you basically left and just went your own experience. Like, and like having basically not having a safety net have actually done way more than most of the, he's talking about like me and like the group of peers that got out. He's like, then almost all of us combined. He's like, it's just so crazy. And he's like, I feel guilty just taking all this money and just using it and not really feeling like a pressure of like, you know, that I'm accomplishing it, which of course in time he will. Mm -hmm. But I, I've always thought that was like an interesting thing that like when things are easy and things are complacent or you're just kind of following, you know, the path. Because a lot of photographers always ask like, should I go to business school or photography school? And your suggestion would be? Yeah. Um, I, it's actually kind of difficult. I can't say this too loud. My daughter's awake. Um, but it's actually kind of difficult to send my daughter to a four-year college. But the difference between her and me and, and you is... I went in the military. That was my college. And, yeah. um, she has to do something after high school. 
she actually just started a business. Um, she is making custom tie-dye and bleach dye hoodies and sweatsets. Um, I have a couple of them on my office floor over here. Um, so she's trying to make money because she doesn't have a job this summer. The pool, she's a lifeguard and the pool's closed for the summer. So, um, but what's interesting with what you said was that people don't believe, and I, I truly think that this applies to photographers themselves. People truly don't believe that they can make money doing photography. Yeah, people, I... people look at me and I have discussions with other business owners and we talk about, you know, the revenue and the things, you know, our sales, things like that. And every single time they are mind blown that we make as much money as we can. Well, we can make this much money. Yeah, I, I will say even a couple of years ago, I didn't, I didn't know that there was this many people doing it at this level. Um, you know, especially like depending on what your peer group is, right? Like if you're only back then, I was only talking to the photographers in North Carolina in one area and there was like one or two big shots, you know, and you're, and you kind of look at them and you're like, well, they've been in it for 30 years. So that's why. Or when I moved down to Miami, like whatever group I was in, like you just kind of have that as the idea. But once you start kind of surrounding yourselves or surrounding yourself around other people and you start seeing, I'm like, wow, they're not doing much different than me. They just have slightly different habits. They have slightly different systems. And it's, it doesn't take, you know, a decade to put into place, which you kind of brought up, right? Like, hey, 2015, you weren't profitable. And you were saying that last year was your, own, your first profitable year? Yep. <laughs> so walk me through that. You're doing weddings. What even brought you into Boudoir? I um, was one of the – I was a photographer that uh, was a serial – uh, photography retreat attender. Um, oh, yes. it's a, it's a write-off. I got to travel. I got to meet people. And, uh, in general, I feel like the photography community here isn't as tight knit as I wished it would be. So I had to branch out and find my community in other places. Um, which has, uh, I am now best, my best friend, uh, who at the time lived in Utah when I met her now lives in her hometown on the other side of Iowa and we're like very close and we support each other. I met her through a photography retreat. Um, but boudoir came out of, I went to Paris with my best friend. We weren't best friends at the time, but, um, my good friend and a few other people, we photographed our friends in our Paris flat boudoir. Cause my best friend is a boudoir photographer and she kind of showed me the ropes and she did the whole like, Iowa girl elbow and said, you could totally shoot boudoir. And I was like, no, that was May in 2015. So she kind of planted the seed. I didn't feel comfortable. I didn't know what I was doing. I am very much, as you know, a control freak. You said that was May 2000, when? 15. 2015. Okay. Okay. Um, I, in 2016, I attempted to find a place to photograph a couple boudoir sessions. I paid for hair and makeup. I found women who, they're not models, but, you know, models. And um, I played around, hated it. I didn't hate, like, the, I, I hated my photos at the end of the day. And so still, no boudoir, not ready for it, don't feel comfortable with it. Um, and then we moved into this house. Uh, July of 2016 and the basement sat unused for six months and I went down there one day and it, you know awful carpet popcorn ceilings uh, just the most hideous color on the wall 
um, oak trim. It was just awful. And I looked around and I called my best friend and I said, would it be stupid if I changed my basement into a boudoir studio? And she goes, hell no, go for it. And literally the next day I had a contractor come out, take a look, give me an estimate of how much it would cost. And I wrote him a check for the amount drained my entire business account. Cause again, I was not making a profit. I, he charged me like $2,600 for the paint, popcorn removal, ripping the carpet out, uh, new trim, all of that stuff. And I, that's all I had in my business account. I was left with a hundred bucks and I, <laughs> I just was like, okay, I have a boudoir studio now. I bought a bed, bought some other things. And primarily up until this point, you were mainly shooting weddings for business. Like, were you still yep. shooting boudoir or were you shooting that if you were? If no. You shooting? Okay. No. Mm -mm. Um, my husband and I kind of wrestled with, is it kind of weird that people are going to be coming to our house yeah. to photograph boudoir? But qu that quickly, um, we, our minds were changed pretty quickly because I feel like that's an asset as they're showing up to my home. They know where I live. They know it's a safe place, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So. And that's interesting because a lot of people almost go into that story of like, well, if it's my home, they're going to be scared. It's creepy. Um, mm -hmm. And I find that most photographers that do this and they have a positive outlook, like they never have that experience. It's just one of those fears people have like beforehand. And we actually oh, yeah. recently did a poll where we asked, I think in the mastermind, it's something like, don't quote me, but like 55% of people did not have studios. I took that quiz. Yeah. Yeah. So, mo and a lot of people ask before they join the mastermind, they say, hey, you know, I don't have a studio. Can I do this? They don't realize there's, there's people, you know, photographing out of hotels, Airbnbs, their place. Their bedroom. Yeah. Um, when my daughter goes to college, I'm tempted to use her bedroom as another setup. Yeah. I mean, that's what Jen does. She has like what you have, like a main setup. And then she has, you know, like another bedroom or two that she uses. Yeah. And, I, and actually, even now, of the results of that poll, which I should have up, uh, but I'm not going to release in that because they're not completely done. But the trend tends to be that a lot of people are starting to get like um, negative feelings towards possibly getting a studio. So like their minds are changing, especially after COVID. It's like, hey, if I'm paying two thousand, three thousand dollars, and at any time it can be shut down, I can't work. At least if you have your house, like you get the utility of it. You know, you can still practice. I don't know. You don't have to pay for it, right? You get more living space. Um, yep. But if you're paying from a commercial space, you're kind of stuck with it. I, again, who would have been able to guess this would happen? I went and looked at a commercial studio space uh, last year, and the rent was going to be $2,850 a month. And I laughed at the guy. Oh, is it going to be huge? Because I imagine in Iowa, it was going to be gigantic. Um, it was 1,800 square feet, and it was downtown Iowa City. But the problem with that is you wouldn't be able to find parking. The parking is awful. The college kids, like, downtown is just all college kids and i was like you're out of your mind i would never pay that much money for a studio yeah so 2016 ish you're doing this so like what took you so long to get to the point where last year i was sick and tired of not making money and i was sick and tired of just picking up any photography job that i could get I was, I would see a wedding posted in a Facebook group as a referral and I would be like, my heart would be beating fast trying to like, please pick me, please pick me. And it was like, I would cry if I didn't book a wedding. It was pathetic. 
like for days. Three, I remember once I didn't book a wedding and I cried for three days. By the way, <laughs> so you were fed up. Uh, yeah. What happened? How did we, me and you even meet? How did that even happen? Because I remember, I remember me and you speaking on the phone. We were speaking on the phone because I was driving to drop something off or something. You added me on Facebook and then reached out and just started chatting with me. I remember the conversation because I reminded you yesterday that we were talking about it and you were kind of asking me like, what do you, what do you do? How do you do it? I was like giving you examples and stuff. And you legitimately said, you were like, I was in the Air Force. I will kill you if this does not work. I'm going to be spending money with you, but I will come to Miami and murder you. It's <laughs> still true work. though. <laughs> and I was like, uh, okay, it, it'll, it'll work. And by the way, I'm going to show this for anyone watching this live. The reason I was so confident is because when I saw your work, uh, I was just like, this is easy. Like you're in a great location. Doesn't have to be, you know, most people think they have to be in a major city. You're in an amazing location in Iowa. You have amazing work. I know that people are attracted to this. I, will t I tell people all the time, out of all the ads we ever run or marketing, the light and airy, for some reason, they, all, they're just, they just do better. I'm not telling people to change, but like when I see this, I just see a home run. Like it's so fun to market. And I do. I just had, I talked to Ashley, who was one of my assistants yesterday, and she did a phone consult where the woman asked um, if I would change to a dark and moody style for her. And I said, no, <laughs> there's plenty of photographers around here who are dark and moody. So go hire them. Yeah. I mean, I think that says a lot. That says a lot to the confidence that they see that you're so proficient in this, that they wouldn't go seek out the dark and moody, that they would just ask you to convert, you know? Well, thank you. Uh, but by the way, this is built on, for any geeks on this, this is built on, show it? WordPress. Oh, nice. Sorry. It is WordPress. It's WordPress with flow themes. Yep. And by the way, um, we basically took what you had existing and we made a few changes. You know, we went to the long form landing page, you know, for people that follow us. Anytime they see our work, they kind of think, you know, a little bit longer and not so scattered. Um, what's changed? Like, you know, since, since you actually, because there's been a big transformation, right? Like before 2020, how much did you spend on marketing? $2,000 a year? A year. You're breaking my heart, reminding me of all these bad things I did. And I, I guess, I guess, like, what's the what's the reason you gave yourself for like why? Because I mean, I mean, I people are, people are always told they're always told like, oh, you got to spend money to make money, or like, hey, you know, marketing. Bring. But then people they always act the opposite of that. So like, I always think, well, there has to be a story to why. You know, if you have such a great product, because anyone looking at the screen, they know if this gets into the eyes of people, like this is going to sell. So like what held it back from you not wanting or, you know, not spending more? 100% ignorance and not knowing how to do it, which is why I hired you. Okay. 100%. It's off my plate now. Uh, you built the funnels that needed to be built. You set everything up the way it should have been set up. You explained it to me and my team the way it needed to be explained for us to run it. And I didn't know how to do that. And I didn't have the time to do it because before I hired you in 2018, I shot 121 boudoir sessions. Holy like, smokes. 
I was over, like I was drowning. I hate the word busy. I think busy is bullshit, but I was, I was drowning. I had no life. And, um, last year I hired you about this time last year, maybe March or April. And I shot the same amount of sessions last year, but my sales in my sales average went up. And then this year I'm going to, I'm still going to shoot the same amount. <laughs> and by the way, you're like going to the next level because now you're bringing in a little bit more help. So tell me about that. You were shooting, you're, you were shooting the same, shooting the same, but sales price went up or sales average went up. And then how does that, like, how does that work with like your free time? Uh, like, are you just think, more organized or, I mean, you're probably so much more organized. So especially recently when I, when we went to spring break, my assistant Ashley had just kind of been doing certain things like emailing and calling people who are already on our list, who we'd already reached out to. And I was spending every single afternoon on multiple com uh, consultations. And, um, I operate my business in a strange way, but uh, it works really well for me. And I require people to do a phone consultation with us. We do mm -hmm. not send pricing. And that's not because we're not honest or something. I've been told several times, like that just makes people think that you're like crooked or something. I'm like, okay, well, I know I'm not, but we don't send pricing. We want to get women on the phone so that we know their story because that's why we're doing this. I'm not doing this for the money. I'm doing this to change women's lives. And so last year I knew I was way too busy. I hired my first assistant and then Ashley came on the end of last year. And, um, now she just took over consultations in March and she's still, she's booking like, she's booking well. Yeah. I mean, so all of the last, cause we've been shut down, I don't know, getting close to eight weeks or so seven weeks. How has booking been during this time? Same. Same. It hasn't even dropped. No, I think that the phone calls are less, but I believe, um, and you know, I mean, I expect a little bit of a change. Uh, yeah. The, the phone, we have less phone calls, but, um, it's definitely, I think it's not as consistent as it was, but I mean, one week she booked 10 sessions and that's like her goal, her personal goal. And I did not give her this goal. Her personal goal is to book 20 sessions a month. Yeah. I mean, that's awesome. Okay. So for anyone uh, looking at this, obviously, you know, we, not only did we do the website, you know, and this is everything we do in the mastermind as well, right? There's automations behind there. People get on your email list, they get texted, they join your Facebook group. Um, but we also run Facebook and Google ads. So before that, how did you, how did you get clients? Because now it's a little bit different, right? Like now every day you just get dinged and you know, the ads are running automatically. You have your group to nurture. Um, how were you getting clients before? Uh, I have a really large VIP group. It's like over 12,000 people. Oh, wow. So I was consistently getting inquiries and stuff through there. Um, and then Facebook business messenger, um, mainly just word of mouth. And you were growing that with like group grows, you know, campaigns like that. Yeah. Which you can't really do anymore. Yeah. Yeah. You um, definitely got in early cause that VIP group is definitely money. Yep. Okay. So back then you spent about 2000 and you made like, you would just give away maybe some items to grow the group. Um, mm -hmm. 
what about now? I mean, so what's the difference in your day to day compared to like a year and a half ago? I'm not doing all of it. Try to outsource as much as humanly possible. The only thing that I do now is respond to clients' emails, photograph sessions, edit sessions. I'm still editing and um, ordering product. What do you think it'll take for you to get somebody to edit your sessions? Uh, Are you I like mean, I'm absolutely willing, but the person just has to be as good as me. By the way, quick question. Um, as far as the sales average, what do you think caused the sales average to go up? I mean, I know we worked on pricing, we changed a little bit, but. Uh, you have to believe that you can do it. I mean, I think there's a huge, I truly believe that photographers don't want to increase their prices and they're scared. But what, what are you going, what are you going to lose? You know? Yeah. Would you rather, I mean, this is another example. Would you rather photograph 40 sessions or 40 weddings? Let's say, you know, I'm always super impressed by people who photograph 40 weddings a year, but how much are you charging for those weddings? If it's like $2,500, why that's like are you doing thousand, that? Yeah. yeah. Why are you doing that to yourself? Wouldn't you rather photograph like 15 weddings for like $10,000 a piece? Yeah. And you know, the, what's funny is I always, I always hear just kind of the objection whenever anyone talks about raising prices or doing in-person sales, they always say, well, I just don't have time for that. <laughs> I don't have this. And then we'll normally go through like a question where I'm just like, okay, well, how many sessions does it take you to make $3,000? Well, you know, I have to shoot, you know, I don't know. They'll say something. If they're charging 300, obviously it's 10, 10 women. Okay, so you have to do hair and makeup with 10 women. You have to come back and forth. You have to do all this correspondence. What if you just talked to one person on the phone, had one photo shoot, and had one ordering appointment instead of 10 times all of that minus the ordering sessions? And they're just like, well, you know, who am I going to have watch my kids? And I'm like, you have to do that for the 10 women anyways. So I, I feel like a lot of times, you know, it's almost like, is that the story we're telling ourselves just so we can avoid that? Just so we don't have to ask for that much money. But I just, I, the excuses are like a-holes. Everybody's got one. Seriously. Stop with the excuses. Yeah. If you're, if you're speaking to someone who is making that kind of money and they're telling you, you need to raise your prices, there should be no excuse. I was even asked by a videographer uh, friend of mine, well, did you ever raise your prices and then have to lower them again? And the answer was no, never. My yeah. sales, my sales average before I hired you was like eight hundred dollars a client. And what do you and think? I thought that was good. What do you think it is this year so far? Twenty six hundred. Yeah, that's um, almost four times. I mean, I think last year because I didn't hire you and didn't get my pricing implemented till like July, it was eleven hundred dollars. And I've more than doubled that this year. Yeah. Wow. And by the way, I think there's still probably room to grow there too, right? Like there's. Yes, absolutely. Okay. So with that price increase, let's just say things continue as they are and we start to reopen. Like where do you think this year is going to end? Uh, well, <laughs> um, I knew my daughter was graduating this year. So I like to do the backstory because I'm not ready to give up weddings, but I knew that my daughter was graduating this year. 
and I accepted way less weddings. Um, hold on a second. My, my computer is going to die. Forgot to plug it in. Um, I accepted way less weddings this year, and um, my goal this year is to, my goal this year was to make uh, $200,000 just in boudoir, and I have had zero wedding income so far this year, and I'm pretty much at $100,000 already. Holy smokes. <laughs> so you're going to like blow that out of the water. Yes. And I think this is like the final stake in weddings anyways. Like whatever just happened now, like for at least for you, maybe. I'm really, really. And I talked to another business owner in the wedding who was in the wedding industry and then sold her business. And she is so thankful. It just stinks because the weddings I did book for this year they were impacted by it and I was supposed to go to St. Lucia in a couple weeks and now I'm not. So, um, but, uh, only a couple of my weddings had to reschedule or change their plans. So that's good. But all of the other people like the wedding florists and the wedding planners, I can't even imagine. Yeah. So what's the next step for you in boudoir? If you turn, turn the corner, you leave weddings behind, like what's the next step for you? Is it another photographer? Is it? No, I, I, I'm actually really, really happy. I think this is the first time I've been actually content in my business for a while. I think there's always room for improvement. So uh, I'm going to keep hustling and maybe find someone who can edit for me I guess but, I'll ask, what's the thing that you know you should do, but you're avoiding right now? That I know I should do, but I'm avoiding. Ugh. What's on the edge that you're just like, oh, I'll procrastinate on that. I don't want to do that. Nothing, really. Honestly, this, this quarantine stuff has, we revamped our prep guide. Uh, we created a wardrobe guide. We streamlined our communication um, for after sessions because I knew I was kind of lacking after people came in for their session. And um, I got a really, really cool thing for my studio that nobody else has, no one else has in the you don't, have to, you don't have to give your super secret. I won't, but it's pretty awesome. Um, just got that kind of figured out, but really, I am, I'm not uh, much of a procrastinator. I kind of hit, I'm like full force ahead. Just let's get this done and over with. I think you figured that out once we started yeah, yeah. working last year. Uh, yeah. Nothing then, really. So what about when everything reopens? Like, do you have a plan for that? Do you have even a time horizon? I know you're in one of the few counties that is a little bit slower. Uh, we will find out early next week whether or not we can open and start shooting May 16th. I don't shoot on the weekends. I just shoot during the week. Um, so I'm just praying that we can um, because all my April sessions got pushed to May and now May might have to push to June. And I was at like 26 sessions for May. Whoa. And now it'll be like close to 60 sessions after Jan uh, June 1st, between June and July. And you didn't have a lot of cancellations from the sessions. Did you have mostly reschedules? Um, I had one person who didn't even respond to us. So I just was like, okay. And then another person who owned a really great business in this area. And she, I 
told her she said that she would have to cancel and because she has to pay her uh, employees during right. this time. And I just said, I have your session for whenever you're able to use it. So, and she was thankful for that, but no, nobody's really canceled. And did you preemptively like reschedule them or did you like wait for people to come to you? Like, how did you handle that as a business owner? Uh, I just told them that I would be communicating with them as we got information. And I think the problem is, is that our governor is not doing a good job of keeping us informed and she'll just kind of put information out here sporadically and like we're expecting something and then she doesn't tell us something. And right now, I would already be shooting, to be honest with you, but my hair and makeup isn't legally allowed to be working. And so... um, You're just waiting on that. Just waiting. I've had a couple people reach out, be like, hey, have you heard anything? I'm like, no, I'm so sorry. We are at the beck and call of the governor and letting us know early next week whether we can open or not. So, Yeah. I know. I'm so sorry. It's... it's, it's I think, I think what's kind of like been a bonus is anyone, I get a lot of clients who uh, want this as a wedding present and because of what's going on, most of them don't even need them now for a while because they've had to reschedule in some way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think everyone's been impacted. Um, I do think that, you know, whatever, however people were doing before, it's just going to exacerbate the differences. So if you were at the top of the market and you had those habits, I feel like you're going to continue to just create that lead, right? Because you've been working on everything. You know, you haven't shut things down. You've been improving, adding things to sets, you know, maybe change my wording there. Um, And then, you know, other people that might have been 2017, Stephanie, are like, well, marketing sucks. You know, I have to reduce my expenses. I have to, you know, maybe lower prices now because everyone's losing money. And then they're just going to force their trajectory down. And when this whole thing started between me and Jen, we just kept saying, we know that we're going to be shut down, so, but that's limited by the government and we can't change that. But we do have control of when we reopen. So mm-hmm. everything we do now has to be towards that reopening time. Right. So walk me through that. Other than just the passive things that you've been improving, like, it's, like it sounds like you've been aggressive getting people on the phone, like booking, like going back to old leads. Like tell me that stance that you had where you were like, I need to be ready for reopen. I think that there should be no wasted time, I guess. I don't know if that's a lame answer or not, but don't waste your time. I mean, of course there are days like today, it's beautiful outside. My daughter's awake. She's actually on a Zoom call and getting paid. She is doing training for lifeguarding and I'm going to spend time with her. And of course there are times to push away and do things that you want to do um, because you're not working as much, but if you go back into this and there's any aspect of your business that isn't like top notch and isn't the way you want it to be, that's on you. Now I'm not one of those like, Oh, let's see how productive we can be during quarantine. Right? Like I have eaten my fair share of carbs and drank my fair share of wine and done my fair share of sleeping in with no alarm But at the end of the day, like you have to put yourself in your client's shoes and figure out what they need and make sure that you come out of this looking like you just polished, like 
I was going to say polished and turd, but that's awful. Uh, just like that you are like literally glowing from how ready you are to get back to work. Yeah, I, I saw a tweet that made me feel really guilty. It was like, you know that thing that you've been procrastinating and said you would do when you had time? If you haven't started it yet, you're never going to do it. And I just yeah. thought to myself, I told myself I would write a book one day. And I even wrote like maybe like 10 pages of it. And I didn't get jump on it. So now I feel guilty. Guilty tweet. Don't let memes make you feel guilty. Hey, it was it was a pre- it was a pretty good one, but I kind of carried that forward. You know, I picked up on other things, and even here, you know, and within the high rollers, you know, we're lucky that we have you to you know share what you're doing, um, you know, share our experiences, and like keep everybody moving forward. Uh, I even presented you with a campaign, and you were just like, "We're doing so well that I don't need that." Um, you know, it was you know. Um, it, w- it was doing sessions without the retainer fee for the business. Um, mm-hmm. And of course, like if you're booking at the rate you are, uh, which we even had a conversation where it was like, you know, do we get more leads or do we just go book more people? And by the way, I'll ask of all the people that have been booked, do you feel like a lot of them have been brand new inquiries or has it been a result of like you emailing group and like really nurturing and like going back? Brand new inquiries. Brand new. Brand new. Wow. So have you even concentrated a lot of the time on, on old inquiries? Oh yeah. We still have our, um, well, Ashley still has the setup and she always, she has a bucket for the might book check back and she is nurturing them 100%. Yeah. What I find though, is that with the automation, they ask them to be added to the VIP group. And then after they're in the VIP group a while, um, they they come back and they say, hey, I'm ready. They'll see a photo and I post in my VIP group three times a day and they'll see a photo and they will just be like, that's it. I'm ready to book. Yeah, I, I, I think that's one thing a lot of people miss, especially when they run ads. It's like someone will say, okay, I know how to run these ads. I saw, I have an example. And they'll run ads, they'll spend like 30 bucks and they'll be like, dang it, I didn't book anyone. And they just stop. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's the equivalent of like going to like getting on the treadmill or Peloton for one time and being like, I'm not 10 pounds lighter. What? I quit. There's actually an ad out there right now that's like kind of in competition with one of my ads. And in the description of the ad, it says uh, boudoir photography that won't break the bank. Uh, and I'm just like, okay, not competition anymore. <laughs> I mean, no offense to that person, but that is the last thing you need to be putting on an app. Yeah, I, I, was, t- I was talking to my, uh, for those that are regular listeners, to my wife now. Uh, <laughs> I know, I know. We, so we got married in, uh, we got married in uh, Vegas. Uh, we were going to get married this, uh, this spring anyways, but we were buying a house and we we're like, oh, we should be married before we buy the house, you know, like for- You're married! Congratulations! I had no idea! Yeah. So I've been engaged for anyone listening. That's like, what the heck are you guys talking about? Uh, and then we went to Vegas for WPPI and the high rollers went there. We had a meetup. And then during the cocktail hour, literally we were just like, Hey, who wants to fill up a bunch of cars and go get married at the Las Vegas sign? So we got married by Elvis, like literally at the Vegas sign. That's so cool. Our wedding plans obviously got destroyed by this whole pandemic thing. So yeah, we'll do that one later, but right now we're still married. Awesome. Am I invited? Yeah. If you want to come down to Miami. <laughs> I'm just kidding. 
kidding. Um, but wait, what was she telling me before? I lost track. Oh, of crap. <laughs> <laughs> um, what were you going to say? Oh. Don't break the bank. Oh, don't break the bank. Oh, yeah, we were talking about that. We were talking about how, like, before all this happened, we were spending a lot of money on going out to eat. We were spending a lot of money on the weekends. And, like, now we're not. Mm-hmm. And, like, now that things are, like, reopening, like, we're looking for fun things for ourselves. So, like, now we're starting to build the habit of, like, let's look for a vacation thing for the summer. Hey, look, I'm going to go look for a motorcycle, to, you know, later this weekend. Um, let's go look at this. And I feel like a lot of people, of course, people are being hurt and, you know, different areas being disproportionately affected. But there's still a lot of people that have a lot of savings that their industry is actually doing really well during this, right? Like, if you were selling any sort of hand sanitizer, obviously, you know, or protective gear or cleaning services, like you're still in big, like work mode. Um, you know, even even stores that sell essential supplies. So if you treat everyone like, you know, like you think, hey, for me, I'm super affected, I have to tighten down. There's still a good percentage of the population that's still making hands over fists money right now that's going to be ready to spend, you know, or people that have savings are going to be ready to spend when everything turns back on. Well, and I think it's important too to know that this is a great time to, well, we talked about pricing, but this is a great time to evaluate how much you charge because if you couldn't last not shooting for a month, like that's a huge issue. That's not just a, like, that's, that's, that's a fundamental issue for you personally and your business where as like, if you're charging a decent amount, uh, which I feel I am, right now I could not work for like probably six months, maybe a year if I really, and I'm still paying my assistants, I'm still paying my blogger, you know, um, charging an accurate pricing is more, is definitely, you need to take care of yourself you need to have those things in place like retirement and stuff like that. And if you can't even afford like the bare minimum, you're either living outside your means, not charging enough. Um, you know, there, I know somebody who bought a ginormous house last year based on a few years of good sales and bought a really nice car and, you know, carries the nicest purses that somebody can buy. And she told me she might have to file for bankruptcy. Yeah. I mean, it's no joke. I feel awful for people um, who go through that, but this is not just a time to get you and your business really sound and, and strong. Really think about what's important and uh, charging. A, I mean, charging so you can live your life. If this happens again, which they're, I mean, I don't watch the news. I refuse, but I've, heard through the grapevine that they're saying that this could come back again in the cold or whatever. But if you're not prepared the second time, (laughs) then maybe you shouldn't be in business. That's how I feel. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I will also caveat, like, I know that pricing seems like it's super hard to overcome, but like, I always tell people anytime anyone hires us or they join the high rollers, I'm always like, you're like a 30 minute, 30 minutes away from changing your prices. It's not that hard. Uh, I know a lot of times there's more to it. It's not just the piece of paper. It's believing it. But like for you, what made you get past that? Because I know 
it's easy for me to just be like, yeah, just change these numbers, put it like this, and then just say it like this. But like, what kept you from not hitting the highest goals before? Doubt. I was afraid. Um, I would rather be working. This sounds awful, but I'd rather be working than not working. And I was afraid that if I raised my prices and I didn't book as many sessions, I would go crazy. Um, also not, I mean, hiring you and then discussing pricing, being a part of the high rollers club, it gives you permission. I feel like some people have some like money blocks and guilt associated with pricing and it gives you the permission to change your prices and knowing that other people have done it. So you're not the only one who's going to increase their prices. You're not the only boudoir photographer who's going to charge five, $6,000 for a session. And so being a part of that community is what helps. But yeah. then just telling yourself, I mean, you've given me a couple pieces of advice, like don't be so emotional. Like you have control over your emotions. I needed to hear it, you know, but we're also kind of military. We're, we're military. So we kind of have that rough and tumble sort of um, banter, but real, it's true. You need to, you know, hold yourself accountable. Uh, and you kind of need to be a little bit stronger than you already are. Yeah, I think um, one thing me and Jen always kind of have in the back of our heads is like, the only thing we care about is doing. We don't care about the reason you don't want to. We don't care what you're, we, we, I mean, we want to care, but like we know that just doesn't help really. Like we just want action. And what I find is like, this is, I'm not saying I treat adults like children, but like I treat my daughter like I treat adults in the sense that like, if she just goes and does something, I don't care how she feels about it, you know, jumping off something or going to do a hard task. When she comes back almost every single time, even if she was scared or didn't want to do it, she's always like, it wasn't so bad. And it's the same thing for the photographers. The photographers that just take the templates or take the structure or watch the training or just go do it because they'll go into the Facebook group and say, whoa, Stephanie just went from 800 to this. She went from 1100 to this. And they're like, okay, well, why don't I just do that? And then they'll, of course, they'll message each other, right? So people will message each other and say, okay, I know that this works, but I need to know that it worked for you specifically. Mm -hmm. You have nothing yep. to do with me. We barely know each other, but I need to know that you yep. did it. So that gives me permission. Yep. And I, I always find that so funny that in hindsight, it's always like, I, I knew to do that a year ago, but I just didn't. Yeah. So I asked well, a random person in the Facebook group for permission, basically. Well, and I think what's important as well is when you do get to a point, I do feel like my pricing has room for improvement and I am working on that. Um, but when you get to a point where you're charging a decent amount, you love what you do even more. And now it's not for the money. My goal isn't to be like, oh, you know, maybe it should be. Maybe that's what I need to work on is what my higher standards for my goals. But um, you just wake up and feel better about what you're doing. Because I can tell you as someone who a few years ago was waking up and dreading and having no clue on how to do what I do now, it's an awful feeling. I feel like I'm just like in a hamster wheel, like something's got to give. And so I think that's why when I met you and we talked and I did have like a half a bottle of wine. I remember <laughs> that. You're like, you better not be taking advantage of me. Oh, and I didn't remember half our conversation. I just remember leaving the conversation knowing that I'm heading in a good direction. I knew that I needed to take the leap 
And I knew, you know, it's, it's not cheap. I hate the word cheap. I hate the word inexpensive because it's all relative, but it's an investment that you need to make. So in 2018, uh, just from adding boudoir, my sales were 166,000 in 2019, they were 250,000. And so I had a hundred thousand dollar increase and, uh, what was it? $36,000 of it was advertising. So then technically I had like a $60,000 increase in sales, which is awesome. But to be, to be working and booking at a consistent rate with a team, um, and you know, paying for the advertising and the, your company to, to take over that part of things that I knew nothing about. And it would really take me years to figure out and perfect. That's priceless. Yeah. By the way, I, I will say that, you know, um, like that percentage is getting close to 10%. So if you just increase the sales average just a little bit, like, cause a lot of people, their like golden numbers, like marketing should be 10% or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it would be getting close to that. Right. Or just shooting a couple more sessions, which of course I don't want you to die from shooting too much. Uh, cause that's what you're shooting like two and a half, three women every single month, every single week. Sorry. Um, I'm my goal my minimum goal is seven clients a month and we have been consistently booking 15 a month. Holy smokes. So that's four a week ish. Yeah. Yeah. So this, I mean, this year, obviously without this happening would have been way bigger than last year. Oh, I'm going to have a couple it, awesome months. It's still going to be way bigger. Yeah. It's just delayed a little bit. Cause, oh, oh, yeah. on it, cause over the year, it's still going to average out, right? One, the months are just going to be right. Well, and just from having consistent inquiries and being more comfortable in the, the pricing and increasing that just a little bit. Um, now increasing pricing shouldn't take away value either, but, um, we talked about this and you did a live where it was 8,000 in February for boudoir sales last year. And this year it was 40,000. Damn. And by the way, for people in February and January are normally like the opposite. They're like super dead. They just, that's a lost month, basically. Well, and I knew this as a wedding photographer and I live in Iowa. We have winter. (laughs) If you've ever heard of that before, I'm just kidding. Winter is like, Uh, it's like 73 outside. You're like. Well, and I knew that, you know, November, December, January, February, March, those are like much less um, active, but I go into it, you know, I, um, I actually did book sessions in December of last year, but the year before last, I did not book any sessions in December. I did not shoot boudoir. Um, and I think I'm going to try to try to do that again this year, just to give myself a little bit of a break. Um, but, um, dang it, I lost my train of thought. I, oh, I went into it knowing that that's like a dead part of the year. And by October, I had my boudoir marathon for January completely sold out, like within a few hours of launching it. And uh, I had like 12 sessions in January that didn't have to do it. I had 16 sessions in January. Yeah. So our goal, like I say, like 
I want a minimum of seven, which that's just crazy that I even say that. But um, in my spreadsheet, I have a spreadsheet of everyone who's booked, whether we can share their images, the date of their session, the date of their ordering session, et cetera. That's a whole thing listed out. And uh, our goal is 15 a month. And if we surpass that, it's fine. If it's not that busy of a month or if we need to reschedule a ton of people because of coronavirus. Um, but that way I know that um, I'm on par to reach my goal. But hopefully by July, I would assume, I'm going to reach my goal for this year and then try to annihilate it. Yeah, that's awesome. So any parting words, like if you had any resources or if you had a book, uh, podcast, anything you want to recommend outside of everything we've talked about, something that's helped you just a little extra, maybe a little extra tip that we didn't get to touch on that you would leave for anyone listening. I would say definitely be part of the high rollers club. Um, hire a marketing team you trust. I do recommend Humberto and his team and you have to and believe in yourself. I did read a book that uh, I absolutely love and it doesn't really have anything to do with photography. Um, you might have actually heard of it before. Um, it's by David Goggins. Have you heard of him? Yeah, I have. Uh, Can't Hurt Me? No, I, ha I know he's a very famous writer, very popular. Um, I listened to his Audible book and it is awesome. Okay. So I recommend that. Yep. You got to have uh, a little bit of a taste for swearing and stuff because he is prior military, like military, military. Yeah. Um, but it's really motivational and um, kind of helps you cut out the nonsense. Like if you're, if you're coming up with excuses, uh, you need to kind of sit down and reevaluate and try to figure out how to stop coming up with excuses. Yeah. And by the way, just a disclaimer, I'm putting it at the end is if you guys want more info on the high rollers, I'm going to leave a link at the bottom of this video or the audio. Um, and I am personally not taking any more private clients like Stephanie. Oh crap. Sorry. So in order to qualify anyways, and anyone we do work with, if we do get availability comes from the high rollers club anyways. So we want okay. people that are already part of our kind of our mindset, already part of the community, drinking the Kool-Aid and like in the community instead of working like one-on-one -on -one to build all that when we already have that. So cool. just a disclaimer. All right. High rollers club. <laughs> Thank you so much, Stephanie. Thank you. All right. Okay. I think I'm going to stop recording.